bienvenidos a Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Bárdenas y presidente de su mejor cerveza. 818 es el mejor tequila. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill Clark and Miguelito San Diego. Of course, we are going to properly salute both of our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. Like to go ahead and make sure we properly talk about our sponsors today. KT Tape. Hold on that side. There you go. If you're watching on No Filter Network, we have it on video. We got a QR code. I tested it out yesterday. It works. And you know what else works? The skin prep wipes. That's right. Go ahead and make sure the skin is clear before you put on the pro oxygen tape. This shit works. It's very simple. You put the tape on an area. It lifts the skin, somehow promotes blood flow to that region, promotes recovery, and decreases inflammation. This is the Pro Oxygen Tape. So click that QR code for the starter kit. We have the blister prevention as well. Here it is. And let's not forget the Chafe Safe. That's right. Maximum chafing protection, fast application, sweat, and water-resistant Keep your package clean, keep it tight, keep it neat. Our other sponsor here this morning is Bet Online. That's right. Uh, it's a Texas showdown in the postseason. And Bet Online is your number one source for all of your baseball wagering. Thrill and I were messing around last night with this. All of our sponsors. Just so happen to be alcohol, tobacco, firearms. On that note, Triverge as well. That's the cannabis company that we have locked horns with. Our guy, Jory, over there, reach out to him. Triverge.com. They have these little things that there's a slight bit of cannabis along with some lemon and ginger. They're fantastic. But let's not forget this read from Bet Online. Uh, all of your baseball wagering can be done here on Bet Online with up to uh, the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. So we'll get all their information there too before you lay that action. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed. On each LCS all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today or use the mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, capital B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, anyhow, uh, on that note, last night, 
It was the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this was a complete and total fucking bloodbath. The Phillies continue to mash the baseball. They take advantage of each and every one of the Diamondbacks' mistakes. Merrill Kelly had made some comments about Philly not being that loud and was it going to be able to match the energy that he felt when he was with Team USA down in Miami when they took on Venezuela. I think the Philadelphia fans answered that question very quickly. They were wearing him out in the bullpen from pitch one, and it continued the entire game until they knocked him out of the game. So I I really think, though, look, beyond the Phillies fans, which are a huge story, I don't remember them being like this. I don't remember it being that electric, like standing start to finish. It feels like at least, and maybe I'm just obviously paying attention when they pan to the crowd and they show them standing. But this is as electric of a baseball atmosphere as I've ever seen. One of the only other places that I've been and have experienced an atmosphere similar to what's going on in Philadelphia was when I was playing for the Dominican League Championship in Santiago. It was Aguilas versus Lise. But that is basically it. And there you had the Zuzuleles, you had the horns, you had the drums, you had dudes throwing bottles uh, at me when I was playing left field. It was as bizarre, barbaric, and wild of an atmosphere as I've ever seen. So it seems like the people of Philadelphia are a bit more civilized, but there was actually a fan who had run onto the field. And this guy got fucking obliterated by Philly security. This was the hit of the year. There has not been a hit in the NFL that has been so outrageous as this one last night. I have all intentions of doing a No Filter Network alternative broadcast. Call on this. Henry sent it to me last night, and I watched it over and over and over just for the pure entertainment and appreciation of the hit. It was awesome. Hopefully the guy's okay. Uh, It says here, there's a whole article about the Phillies raking. It says, by the eighth inning, Phillies outfielder Jack Cave had entirely lost track of the score. A lot to nothing, he says. I knew we were shutting him out and we were scoring a ton of runs. That sums it up at least as well as the scoreboard did, Phillies 10, Diamondbacks nothing. Philadelphia now holds a 2-0 lead in the National League Championship Series, which will resume Thursday in Phoenix. Another two wins will send the Phillies to their second straight World Series. Every Philadelphia starter reached base except glove first center fielder, Johan Rojas. A night after every starter had a hit except their baseman, Alec Baum, in two consecutive innings on Tuesday. All nine hitters 
came to the plate. They have hit 15 home runs in their past four games. Look, this goes to the old adage that hitting's contagious. That's it. And then the other thing is, you want to find the best teams. I know this from coaching youth baseball. They're not the ones with the biggest superstars. They're the ones that get production up and down the lineup, which is exactly what Philly has been getting. D.H. Kyle Schwarber hit two dingers, scored three runs. The fourth time this postseason, Philly has gone deep twice. The game got so out of hand that backup catcher Garrett Stubbs, this is the guy everyone's been loving on, the best uh, celebrator in baseball, who saw zero innings and zero plate appearances in last year's 17-game run to the World Series, caught the top of the ninth inning. Surely, the hitters' meetings held in the batting cage three and a half hours before the first pitch every day must be imparting some mysterious insight. Actually, according to those present, they averaged three minutes, and that includes first baseman Bryce Harper's rallying cry, leave no doubt. Cave paraphrases the information thusly. This is what this guy's been doing. This has been his tendencies here and there. This is how he's been feeling. Let's go out and jump on him and make it hard for him. They note when they teams stay disciplined on Tuesday, for example, coaches mentioned that in game one, they had seen 129 pitches, of which 54 were clearly balls, and they swung at only 10 of those. Plate discipline. That's it. You want to be a good hitter? Rule number one, you got to get a good pitch to hit. How do you do that? You see the ball. They often add a, quote, fuck these guys, and then run outside to take ground balls. This is a Phillies hitters meeting. Run by my dude, Kevin Long. I'll get to him in a second. He's one of the most underrated, impactful coaches. Maybe in the history of baseball. Look at everywhere this guy's been. He has had tremendous success and only on winning teams. His positive vibe, his positive energy, what he brings from a mechanical standpoint, what he brings from a work ethic standpoint is everything. And as a hitter, to have that blanket of safety knowing that you have a hitting coach that has your back and not just when you're doing great but you know when you're struggling you can go to a guy that knows what the fuck he's doing that is everything because then if you're a hitter and you do scuffle and it's inevitable for every one of the guys through the course of 162 game season and this postseason you're confident that you have somebody that is going to give you the resources to help you get back on track, whether it's the drills, whether it's certain early work, whether it's a mental or philosophical approach. Kevin Long is there for his guys. He always has been. And look at his track record, whether it was the Yankees, whether it was the Nationals, and now in Philadelphia. He just keeps winning in his Hitters just keep banging. It's that simple. So, anyhow, the Phillies have 
reams of data, of course, and it all informs how the coaches approach those meetings. But hitting coach Kevin Long, whom shortstop Trey Turner calls, quote, an old school guy, pours through it with the staff and then makes details available only on request. Manager Rob Thompson likes to say Long is so good at distilling information and instilling confidence that a hitter could have the worst cage session of his life. Talk too long and then have a great day at the plate. Quote, it's less information in a good way, says Turner. We have all the information. We have everything we need. But we've got a lineup of guys that just want to hit and play baseball. I think that's refreshing as well. Sometimes you can get caught up a lot in the video or the numbers and different things. I think throughout the season, we've kind of learned what we like and what we don't. We're doing the same thing we've done all year. Don't overthink it. Keep it simple. Get a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it, he adds. We're not up there to walk. We're up there to hit. Oh, holy shit. Major League Baseball, Major League teams, everybody having anything to do with the organization from the big leagues to the low leagues. Listen the fuck up. This is the best hitting team in baseball right now, and it's not even close. Let me once again go over exactly what Trey Turner said. Don't overthink it. Keep it simple. Get a good pitch to hit and put a good swing on it. These are commands from Kevin Long, the hitting coach of the Philadelphia Phillies. Best in the business. Best in the business, hands down. His track record has proved it. Yet here we are in 2023 trying to get all of this data. And we have all the data. That's fine. But then shove it down these hitters' throats. And then all of a sudden, they get up there and it's paralysis by analysis. San Francisco Giants, wake up. You want a recipe for success? It is it right there. It's that simple. With your 17 coaches and your over-the-top information that is drowning these players out, please, for the sake of the team, for the sake of these kids, just stop. Enough's enough. Can we please try to simplify? You realize how hard it is to hit a baseball. We've all heard the numbers of with the ball leaving the hand at 95 miles per hour, your brain has point, you know, Two seconds to decide whether or not to swing. And this is, look, our human bodies and brain are capable of a lot. What we're able to do is, is incredible. But when we let our mind get in the way, all of a sudden, we don't enhance our ability, we inhibit it. This is 
music to my ears. This is one of the greatest articles and things that I've read in a long time. And if you follow Deuces Wild, if you follow the Daily Hustle at all, you know that I like analytics, and especially as a baseball analyst. But as a baseball coach, there's simple cues that you've got to be able to give the players. See the ball out of the hand. Stay short, A to B. Get a good pitch to hit. Simple as that. The Phillies have been feasting on fucking fastballs. Just feasting on them. Making a living pounding heaters for strikes. So my message to all hitters out there at any age is get a fastball in the zone and go. Hunt. Heater, bang, hanger. Think of the simple cues. This isn't hard. It's really not, guys. Mm. So, anyhow, uh, just finishing up here. It says, from the top to bottom, everybody seems like they're having good at bats. Catcher JT Real Muto says, who went two for four, including a six-inning two-run double that broke the game open. The focus is there. The intent is there. We're not chasing as much as we did early in the season. We're trying to cut down our swings and just put the ball in play. I mean, seriously. Then you turn around and we're hitting home runs over the wall. And these guys are doing a ton of damage. That's the thing. When you do cut down your swing and you think about simply putting the barrel of the ball and you're in a ballpark like Philly, which it is a fucking launching pad. Homers are going to happen. That's it. But you have to have the right mentality. You have to have the right approach. You have to have the right game plan. It says the data has helped them get there. But right now, the only figure the Phillies care about is six. The number of games left to win. Fantastic article. It really was. All right. So it's going to be the Phillies and the Diamondbacks on Thursday from Chase Field. The game time is 2.07 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. This is, I know what you want to call it, sabotage? Somehow, some way. You expect Arizona Diamondback fans to show up and show out at a 2 p.m. game in the middle of the day on a Thursday. It just is not going to happen. I don't believe it. Now, once the fans slowly pour in there, yeah, sure, there's a chance. But we're talking about a crowd that has not been known for showing up to these games. And yet, here we are. We're going to put this game at 2.07 p.m. in the afternoon. Diamondbacks, they're in trouble, at least when it comes to a big-time home field advantage. And you know there's going to be Philly fans there. They travel. They travel well. The only way the Diamondbacks 
would have a chance of, I, I think, even selling this thing out and getting all the people to show up. It would have to be a 5 p.m. game or later. I actually had a buddy of mine, Eric O'Brien, back in the day, he won the Bernsey Look Like contest. He's a sports broadcaster uh, now, or at least he was the last time I checked. But Eric was saying that a lot of the fan base of the Arizona Diamondbacks will drive up from Tucson. And so the later the games, the better it allows them to have a chance to get there. Well, in order to get to these games, he's like, dude, people are going to have to leave work at 10 a.m. or just not go to work at all. So it's going to be tough to get that Tucson crowd there. I do agree with him, though, because this is a must-win game. And so whatever help that the Dimebacks could get from their fans, they need it. We'll see what happens, but it's uh, it's just a peculiar start time. Why not, even if you want to go earlier, go ahead and push that game to whatever, 4 o'clock, I, or even start both of them at the same time. I, I, I guess you probably wouldn't want to do that, but you're starting them, let's see, are three hours apart. Just go fucking five and eight. Have them play late. Instead of going at two, you want to go 5.03 p.m. Pacific time, then you go eight o'clock Arizona time. That'd be a lot more conducive when it comes to being able to get the fans there. So we'll monitor that situation. Apparently the ticket prices are really low. And then on Friday... They do play at 5.07. But if they're down 03, what kind of energy is going to be in that stadium then at that point? Yeah, I think they should go 5 and 8. They just should do it. A three-hour difference, and I get it. Maybe it's messing with local news and all that stuff. But look, they're, they're on FS1 and TBS. So these are sports channels. It's not on Big Fox. At least the ones on Friday. So, at TBS, it's not like they're going to local news that they want to cut to. Doesn't make any sense to me. All right, the uh, Astros and the Rangers will be going at it tonight. It is going to be Christian Javier against Max Scherzer. The Astros are underdogs, plus 110. When I looked this morning, Max Scherzer is a minus 130 favorite. And I'm looking at that. I don't understand. Siri, this is so creepy when Siri starts listening to me. It really is. And all of a sudden, my text starts showing up in the right-hand corner of my stream. Forgive me. All right. So, minus 130. Look, I love Scherzer. And I think that he is obviously as experienced as they come, whether it's regular season, postseason, whatever. Christian Javier is throwing the ball really well. And you have Max Scherzer coming off of an injury in which he's been out for over a month. You have a Houston Astros team that plays really well on the road. 
I'm going to take my personal feelings out of this one and back the Astros. If the Rangers pull it off, I'm going to be excited for my boy and awesome. But I think this one is going to be difficult for the Rangers to get. If nothing else, it's a 50-50 game. It's not a game in which the Rangers should be favored. Plus, like I mentioned, look, the Astros are, this is games in Texas. You know you're going to get Astros fans. I guarantee you there's more Astros fans in the state of Texas than Rangers fans. There just are. And you have this state that, I don't, you know, it seems like there's a lot of commuting and going back and forth between Dallas and Houston and whatnot. So I just think that the Astros are going to have a strong showing on the road. This is a team also that has no problem playing in front of the hostile environment. This is a team that's been there and done that. I think this series is going to go six or seven. I really do. Uh, if you're the Rangers, you like to finish it before five. And you do not want to see this thing have to go back to Houston. Okay, Dusty Baker is frustrated with the Astros front office over analytics. These are MLB rumors. Houston Astros manager Dusty Baker reportedly continues to be frustrated with the team's front office over debates on analytics. John Heyman of the New York Post, good friend of the program, dropped that note and an article on potential New York Mets managerial choices if long-rumored candidate Craig Council doesn't go to Queens. Quote, he's done it all and headed for the hall, but word is he's continuing to be frustrated by battles with the Houston front office over analytics their love of it, and his skepticism, Heyman wrote. He does apparently make out the lineup cards and is still playing Martin Maldonado every day when the front office surely prefers the better-hitting Yanier Diaz. Cooperstown bound, but may not fit the analytically-driven Mets. The 74-year-old Baker has a reputation as an old-school manager given his longevity in the game, but he's Got a spot reserved in the Hall of Fame someday. He added to his legendary resume with this, with his first ever World Series win on the bench as a manager last season. Baker also played in the league from 68 to 86. That's a long-ass time, Dusty. Earning two All-Star nods and two Silver Slugger awards while winning the 1981 World Series as a player with the Dodgers. Needless to say, Baker has a wealth of experience and success after nearly six decades in the game. So it's understandable if he reportedly feels his line of thinking trumps analytically based opinions. For what it's worth, Baker did say that managing against another person is harder than analytics or a computer when referencing his head-to-head American League Championship Series matchup versus 68-year-old Rangers skipper Bruce Bochy. Quote, I've always said that it's harder to manage against a person than it is against analytics or a computer because a lot of times a computer and analytics will tell you. I respect Bruce. He's got a lot of brains in the head up there. <laughs> oh, it's funny, man. Yeah, Bruce Bochy's known for his size eight dome, and he does. He's got a lot of brains up there. 
Great quote. The Astros are off to a rough start in the ALCS, dropping a pair of games at home to the Texas Rangers. It's unclear whether Baker will be back next season with his one-year contract running out after the 2023 campaign. For now, he's hoping to get the Astros back in the series on Wednesday when Houston will visit Texas in game three. Okay, I, I like him. I do. I like the Astros tonight. And it sounds like it's an old article. It's not like a debate or argument that's coming up right now. I was a little concerned about that. If, for example, the front office is sending down lineups right now, and Dusty's like, dude, fuck off. Like, are you serious? What are we doing? So I, I do think that this is a situation to monitor whether or not Dusty does come back. And then at 74, the question becomes how vibrant, uh, how effective. Obviously, seems very effective. I don't give a shit what the number is. I care how young you're living. So use Pete Carroll as a perfect example. This guy's well into his 70s, and you watch him, and it's like, dude, he's got more energy than a lot of the players. That matters. The other thing about tonight, look, Max Scherzer is is taking the bump. I could go on and on about what it was like to play with Max Scherzer when he was with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You could count on five innings. You could count on 100-plus pitches. And a slower sort of game. There was just a lot of balls, a lot of strikes. And it was awesome. Just a really good kid. Two-eyed Max. He has the one brown eye. He's got the one blue eye. Just an awesome person. An incredible pitcher. He was hurt at one point when I was playing with him, and it was when I was coming back from my hamstring. And so there was this time where it was just the two of us, and he needed to throw a simulated game. So I went ahead and stood in the box against Max Scherzer and took, it must have been 15 live at-bats off of him one after another after another and he got me playing and I got him a few times it was such a cool experience and now looking back to think that we were doing that on the backfield in Tucson we might as well been in one of our backyards as kids growing up because the only people that were there were Max Myself, whoever was catching, and then Ken Crenshaw, Nate Shaw, one of the Diamondbacks trainers. And that was it. And it was just over and over and over and over again. I'm like, dude, I mean, even without knowing that this guy was going to be a Hall of Famer, I was just loving the opportunity to be able to face a guy that was running up there in the mid nineties and had a nice little slider to go with it. Well, Max at the time had this changeup that was filthy, but he didn't throw it to right hand hitters. And so during this session, he would have me go stand in left-handed and I wouldn't swing. I would just stand up there and he would pitch to me. Well, he was throwing his changeup. And it was moving this much. Coming out of his hand here, 
I don't know how exactly he throws it, but it's coming out of his hands here, and it would break down and away from a lefty. Like it felt like 18 inches. So I go, dude, throw that to a right-hander. Throw that to me next time I get in the box. So I get in there from the right side again. He throws it. I swing and miss by this much. He then implemented that into his game. Well, that was progression number one with Max Scherzer. Progression number two, fast forward a couple years. He got traded to Detroit. I'm in Seattle. And I face him. He throws me a slider. I buggy whip it down the line. It was one of my only hits I had with Seattle. It was three for 33 before I got released. And then after the game, we hang, bullshitting. It's like, yeah, this slider's not quite working. You know, I, yeah, I should have thrown you that, all this stuff. I'm like, dude, bro, just stay at it. You're filthy. I, that change up. Don't be afraid to throw the change up. And I'm just giving a little bit of advice. Fast forward another couple of years. I'm working at MLB Network. Max is winning the Cy Young Award for the Tigers. We're hanging in New York. And I'm like, dude, what's been the difference? And he goes, remember that slider you buggy whipped down the line? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I made some adjustments. And I forget who it was that he talked to. But it was like a Hall of Fame name that had helped him with his slider. And his slider went from being a little cement mixer to being a fucking wipeout slider. That was the progression of Max Scherzer. Then when he was able to throw it in any count with command, it was over. So now you have not one, which the fastball riding through the zone at 98 miles per hour, not two with the slider, now a wipeout slider, not three. Actually, I should say three. With the changeup, once you have three pitches like that, it's over. And if you have that bulldog mentality. So it was fun to watch that progression. And then lastly, is the thing I would mention about Max. It was probably closer to 2019, 2020, just before 2020. He came out, he was with the Nationals. And... We went out to Bodega Negra on a Monday night in New York City. I mean, it was just lit. Nothing like local Mondays at Bodega. And here he is at the top of his game. Like, literally, this is right after just everything. World Series wins and, oh, I don't know. I Cy Young's, uh, no hitters, perfect game. Like, the, guy, the guy's done it all. And we're sitting there at Bodega Negra. And he goes, hey, man, so I was watching the network the other night. And Pedro was talking about this changeup. And he said something, and I, I couldn't quite hear because the volume wasn't on. Can you, you mind asking him what exactly what it was he was talking about? I think it had to do with, like, the way he was finishing it as opposed to, like, pronating or, or, or to just naturally let it go. How about, like... Yeah, I got you, dude. Well, if you want to know what it takes to be great, if you want to know what it takes to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, you've got 
to make the world your library, as Kobe Bryant would say. Everything that Kobe Bryant read, everything that Kobe Bryant did, every person that Kobe Bryant talked to was all done under the pretense of will this make me a better basketball player? And how so? That is Max Scherzer. That's it. That is the recipe. If you want to be great, you've got to be obsessed. There is no time off. Not in the offseason, not at local Mondays at Bodega Negra on a Monday night in New York City with every single distraction in the world you could possibly imagine floating around. I'm talking burlesque shows. I'm talking supermodels. I'm talking just wild shit going on, like no matter what it is. And here he was wanting to talk about something he may have missed from what he knows is another great of all time that he felt could potentially help him. Just super cool. All right. I did not start the clock. I know got to be running out of time here. Mm. But let's hit one more thing. I, I want to do this Dion article. There's a whole article about Dion Sanders and how the business world's paying attention to what's going on, the correlation. We're going to get into that tomorrow. Uh, there's other thoughts and ideas I wanted to share on MLB's new postseason 100 wins basically is guaranteeing nothing and what to do about it let's go here this is pretty simple and i i know it, it might seem complicated and frustrating and everything else you saw all these teams get ousted early and it's not good for mlb it's really not like you want the best teams to be there at the end the braves were the best team now, if the Braves go down to the Philadelphia Phillies in a seven-game series, okay, we could deal with that. Going down in a best-of-five series, nah, I don't know. It just feels kind of incomplete. There's a reason why in the Dominican they have best-of-nine series to figure out who the best team is. Look, if you want to know who the best team is after a course of 162-game season, the standings are there for you. They are. There's no way to sugarcoat them. That's why they play 162 games. But you get in the postseason, all of a sudden, this changes. So you have the Braves, who obviously got eliminated. You had the Rays, who got eliminated. You had the Orioles, got eliminated. You had the Dodgers, who got eliminated. Well, the solution to this, right now, we're at 12 teams. Let's bump that up to 14. I mean, I'm good with that. I'm not one of those people that will tell you how and why, you know, the, 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 the middle should get rewarded. I don't believe in that. I think you're going to have to make it really difficult for them. And 
in that be, say, for example, you have those first series. You have them all five games for that first series. And then after each round, you completely reseed. And an example of that would have been the Atlanta Braves would have played the Arizona Diamondbacks. After the Diamondbacks ousted the Brewers, the Diamondbacks were the sixth seed. They were the lowest seed. So then they should have played the Braves. It's really not that hard. That way, at least, you can look back. And number one, you don't have the layoff with the teams. You're letting these teams get out there and get after it like everybody else. I think that's the number one thing that kills them. There is a ton of evidence. Players will tell you, yeah, we're not complaining about days off. Look, players will not complain about days off. They don't even know. But then they get back into it and it's like, man, I got to try to fire this thing back up. But there's a reason why the Rangers have continued to roll. Obviously, the Phillies have completely reinvented themselves in the postseason. But if you go back and look at the Phillies, they started off terrible. Trey Turner was struggling. Bryce Harper was hurt. Once they got completely healthy and playing to their ability, they've been firing on all cylinders. They've been every bit as good as any other team in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but they just have that look of a World Series champion. They have a savage mentality that is next level. And when I talked about the San Francisco Giants situation last night, I may have been a bit harsh, but here's an organization that I think is perceived as soft around Major League Baseball. Their work ethic, from what we know, was very meticulous, and it wasn't this grind sort of mentality. It was like, well, if you want to take BP on the field, great. If you don't want to take BP on the field, no big deal. They'd go into visiting the ballparks. And they're not going over the outfield and going through everything it would take to be able to properly know exactly where you are, how the ball's bad. Like, that's what you get in batting practice. That's why you take BP. Cuts, relays, infield, like all this stuff. It, as a player, it was a pain in the ass. And it was annoying. But you know what? It was fucking good for you. Well, the way they had things running in San Francisco, that just, it wasn't happening. So, whoever comes and takes over this regime, I, I, would, I would love, as a San Francisco Giants fan, to see just basic work ethic put back in it. You're going to take PP. That's why when Thrill and I talk about this, over and over and over again. It's like, dude, what would you do? He's like, number one, we're going back to work. Like, here's things that we have to know. Here's things that we have to do. Uh, this is this is important. This is how you win games. This is how you prepare for ball games. And they then went out and their first couple interviews were Alyssa Nacken. I keep saying, I kept calling her Nacken. It's Nacken. FP Santangelo, thank you for letting me know that I was pronouncing it wrong. But, you know, even with that, like, it's, I, you know, I said 
over and over. I like I totally support the Giants interviewing a female candidate, but she's got to be qualified. And right now, at this point in her career, she's 33 years old, and she's not qualified. She's never managed a day in her life. She's never played big league baseball. She she coached one game on the field, and now we're going to go ahead and uh, interview her for a job, yet we haven't talked to Matt Williams. We haven't talked to Will Clark. There's no secret that old school managers, Rob Thompson, Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy, Torrey Lavello, they're there for a reason. These guys are in the final four for a fucking reason. Yet the Giants' first two candidates that they go out in interview are Alyssa Nakin and Kai Correa. Two people with very limited coaching and playing, I mean, their case, but none of them, zero professional baseball experience. Why the playing thing matters? It's not because it makes you a better manager. Well, I take that back. It does. And the reason why it makes you a better manager is because of the experience. And because with the experience comes the education. I've gone over this over and over. I feel kind of like a broken record at this point. So I want to keep harping on it. But I look at the Giants as being one of the softer teams in baseball. Maybe it's because I, I know too much about them. But how a team is perceived on hardness comes through their star player or players and their manager. It's not their general manager. It's not their front office. It's not their ownership group. It is the 25 guys on the field, but specifically the lead guys. And then it is the manager, the coaching staff. That matters. Well, when you have a team that's already perceived as soft, and then you have those two candidates as your first two that you're going to interview, what the fuck are we doing? Like at a time where we need some yang to the yin, you're adding more yang to the yang, it doesn't make sense to me. And it doesn't mean Kai Correa or Alyssa Nakin, Nakin won't be great managers down the road. I think they could. Right, right now, it's not the time and it's not the place for it. It's not the direction that this team needs to be going. And I've heard several times from people who are close to the situation that this is a PR move. Fucking PR move. Like, why? You guys are already perceived by many as the most woke team in baseball. And now you want to continue to pile on yourselves to what? Prove that? It doesn't. I don't think it played well. And I do think that if you wanted to interview Alyssa just to interview her and let her go through that process. And if you are serious about her actually managing, this is what the whole Daily Hustle was about today. My IG post was about yesterday. Send her to San Jose. I could sit here and make a really big argument that this whole thing was fucking eyewash. And the Giants were doing this for their own egos and to appease what they think is this woke-ass fan base as opposed to actually wanting her to manage. 
If you want her to manage, put her in a position to succeed. Send her to San Jose. Let her go through it. I've managed. I've done it. I, I Look, Savannah Bananas, it, it's fucking wild, man. There's so many things that come up. So many. So many things that you have no idea uh, what's in store. And then you deal with them, you learn, you move on. But it's only through experience that I was able to gain the education. So I use my experience playing, and then I use my experience as a broadcaster, following the game religiously for the past decade since I've been out of the game. And then now I say would use my experience from my short time managing the bananas. That's what builds the credentials to then go put somebody in a position to be able to manage. That's it. And I think one of the things I learned through it is that it would have to be like, I would have to be at a point in my life. And I don't think Alyssa Nackins there because she's about to have a baby and like all this other stuff where when I can pour everything into it, yeah, you know what? Maybe I would be interested. Now I know in my life is not that time. Whether it was the bananas or any other big league team or anything else or any other opportunities like that. It's just not, now is not the time. Now, could there be a time down the road? Yeah, sure. Well, when I look at Will Clark, I think Will kind of has gone through this and, you know, for the longest time, it wasn't the time where he would have been interested. Now I'm looking at it. I think he is interested. And if the Giants don't talk to him, at least sit down and have a long conversation about him potentially being the manager or putting the right guy in place, I think they're fucking crazy. Let's end the daily hustle on that. Everyone have a fantastic day. We're back at you tomorrow morning. Uh, please do us a favor, whether you're listening on the Deuces Wild feed, English here, Deuces Wild feed or the Daily Hustle feed, if you can leave a review, you're feeling generous, hit the five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Look, we try to keep things raw. We try to keep it real. There's no bullshit here. I, I understand that I may go over the top every now and again. I apologize. No, never mind. I don't. This is me. That's it. Everyone have a fantastic day. Shit.